McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. The Pirates were the better team today, and they win it 27-22. And your biggest heartbreak. Chris Johnson bounces off a one. He's still up. Johnson to the outside has a chance. Foot race. Goodbye. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. College football is here. That is Brad Nessler voicing our intro. You're trying to make me cry. Or maybe just uh, actually me stealing the intro from the college football <laughs> game in 2011. But it doesn't matter. We have launched Team Week officially. We are going to explore every college football program in the Carolinas. Nine weeks out from kickoff between North Carolina and South Carolina to get the stage set and bring us officially some college football action. And so we're going to start with ECU this week. What we're going to do... Every Monday for each program, we're going to take a look at the recent history, maybe look at the transition into this season, what they've done the last five years, what they did last year, get everybody set for the upcoming pirate season. And then also Mondays, after we move on from the recent history, we'll take a look ahead at the offense defense on Wednesdays have a guest for you on Thursday probably two guests a week but at least one and then Friday we'll give you the predictions and the season outlook where everybody can get involved as well you can right now if you want to 704-570-9610 real quickly Casey Steve wrote in he said as an ECU alum I can't allow Wes to get away with starting our R with a Y but <laughs> this comes in because Fitty just typed in pir a pirate sound effect on YouTube, and well, this is what he came up with on the uh, pirate R sound. Yar! Yeah, with a Y. I don't know why the Y is there, but we're rolling with it, and so that's what's going on. Uh, Wes, when you look at what this team accomplished last year, how hard is it going to be able to carry some of this stuff over, and what were some of your notes after watching what Mike Houston was able to do, his fourth season, mm -hmm. best record with the team, and also, of course... The ending of what is a great ECU quarterback career from Holden Aylers. Well, it's going to be tough for them this season, but their preseason predicted to finish sixth uh, in the American behind a Tulane, UTSA, SMU, Memphis, and FAU. But this is a team last season that was sixth in scoring at 32 points a game. They were third in yards per game offensively, sixth in scoring defense, and seventh uh, in yards allowed per game. But they're losing Holton. How do you Aylers? Aylers, yeah. Holden Aylers, Keaton Mitchell, Isaiah Winstead, C.J. Johnson. So they're missing some key guys on offense. They've only got one starter coming back on the offensive line. That's never a good thing. And so Mason Garcia is going to step in. This kid's 6'5", 242 pounds. Can I interest you in that? Now that's big. I, I, even me. Even me, I can <laughs> that's understand a big that's old big. quarterback. Four-star prospect coming out of high school. 14th best quarterback nationally and fifth best in the state of South Carolina. So this defense, though, like I said, you look at it, they're going to lose a lot of guys there, especially in the secondary. Had some transfers coming in. 
But the defensive line, they had one of the top run defenses in Conference USA, but that was a little bit skewed. That's why I don't necessarily go by run and pass uh, defense ratings when you talk about yards because people were able to throw on the Pirates to the tune of them being dead last in in, uh, the American Conference, excuse me, in pass defense. And so when you talk about them having six starters returning on that side of the ball, it's going to be tough for them uh, this season with all that they have to replace. When you're talking about Ehlers, a guy that was just prolific offensively and what he was able to do, it's always going to be an uphill climb. Uh, Over 14, through for almost 14,000 yards, 97 touchdowns, and ran for almost 1,525 touchdowns. Man, that's not easy production to replace. Well, and where I want to start is... Yeah, the the transition is going to be the toughest for Mike Houston this year than it has since, really, he took the job, right? Because you had Holton Aylers there. He had a great season this past year. Just looking at the growth from him, too, threw for 3,700 total yards in 13 games played. That's 400 more than he threw for in 2019, the second most amount of yards that he threw for in his ECU career. 28 touchdown passes to only five interceptions. That was a mark that was way different than his 18 touchdown passes in 2021 and 10 interceptions in 2021. You see what Mike Houston is doing? First year with ECU, goes 4-8 in 2019. Only plays nine games in 2020. Remember, COVID-shortened season. Goes 3-6. and six. So I want to stop it there because you look at the first two years for Mike Houston, and let's compare it to a school that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks with Charlotte. Charlotte wanted to go after Mike Houston first. There was an offer on the table, and Houston had no problem talking about behind-closed-doors business that was being conducted by one Mike Hill, the athletic director in Charlotte. Well, the second year for Will Healy, who Mike Hill has to pivot to, Charlotte goes bowling. And it's their first ever season getting to a bowl game, or at least not the second season, but we'd already seen that with Will Healy having been successful pretty quickly. So at that point, it looked like Charlotte was on the right trajectory where ECU was a pressure-filled season for Mike Houston in 2021. You know, we always do the wait three years, then we'll see what happens. Well, he had gone four and eight and three and six in two years. But Mike Houston answers the bell. He goes seven and five in 12 games in 2021. Last year, post the best record under uh, his tutelage there. Eight and five, and they win the Birmingham Bowl. And as we mentioned, great play from the quarterback. They're on the right path. Now, this is where it gets interesting, though, because at the end of some of the guys that you're able to recruit, you have in your system for so long, you have a great starting QB. Now it's like, okay, how much reload confirmation, how much reload benefit of the doubt are we going to give to Mike Houston? Because this is going to be the first time that we've really seen them undergo this amount of change. So we know about it with some of the top programs in the country. Clemson, they get reload bias, right? They've done it before. Georgia, we had this question on a much bigger and much more macro level, but now Georgia gets that benefit of the doubt. Does ECU earn the benefit of the doubt this season? That's my biggest question mark. Um, I think you have to give them that because you look at this team and how much turnover there's going to be. You're losing your top running back, your quarterback. You're losing your top wide receivers. You're losing five guys on defense to a defense that wasn't all that great to begin with. And this team was able to do what they did, especially down the stretch, because they didn't turn the football over. Over their last seven games, they had zero turnovers, not a one. 
and they led the nation in the fewest giveaways, and they closed the season 5-2. and two. So you're talking about a new quarterback in Mason Garcia that's going to come in, and this is the kid that's a career 50% passer. You watch him play, and he's a good athlete. There's no doubt about it. He's only got 179 yards and only thrown 38 career passes. And this is a guy, he's a good athlete. He can run. There's no doubt about it. And I think they're going to formulate that offense around that more ball control to give him less chances to give the ball to the other team. Because when you watch some of the highlights, especially when he was able to play in his one start against Navy in 2020. Now, of course, he may have gotten a little bit better, but we haven't seen a ton of it because he only threw seven passes in 2022 but when you watch him play at his core and just looking at his mechanics he's got the wind up throw like a la tim tebow where it's got kind of the windmill motion to it so this is a guy that you would think is going to need uh, a lot of work as a passer and a lot of reps so uh turning over the football was their calling card last year when they had success that helped them have that best season under him. So you would expect more turnovers are going to come with so many new offensive parts and a defense that's not that great to begin with that's taken a lot of losses. Their top cornerback last season, Malik Fleming, he left and went to Houston. So this is a team that's going to be a work in progress. So to answer your question, yes, I think he's going to deserve a little bit of grace this season with how much there is to replace. Well, and so this is – that's interesting you mentioned that you think that there is some kind of excuse depending on how it goes right but you think there is a little bit of an excuse baked in here if what what what, what kind of excuse would be relevant here right like should they still be go uh, going bowling at the end of the season and if they don't is it considered still a down year because i think if you go seven and five and eight and five yeah this is the problem that you create yourself for yourself it's a good problem mm-hmm. now it's time once you establish yourself as a bowl program Keep getting there. Like, this is what it is. You have to build this thing from the ground up. I understand it might be tough to transition from a good QB to another, but they at least should be going seven wins this year, right? That's not too much to ask. Yeah, I don't think that's too much to ask. As I said, they were were picked to finish sixth in this conference. And you look at some of the teams in front of them, the the SMUs, the the Tulane's and the Houston's, the Memphis's of the world and some of those. So they're going to battle with some of those teams uh, who will have a lot to replace uh, as well in different areas. But I do think this is a team capable of making it to a bowl for sure. But just saying that the fact that there's going to be a lot harder path to get there because you've got so many new pieces. And again, you had so much success when you didn't turn Uh, the ball over because this is an offense that they were good last year, but 32 points a game. Yeah, that's, that's rock solid, but that's still not a team. That's just a juggernaut. That's going to come out and just be a walking 40 when they get off of the bus. And so when you don't have that, you're definitely going to have to pride yourself on taking care of football, not putting your defense in bad situations. Because again, with a new quarterback that looks like he's not going to be the most prolific passer in the world, at least to start, that's going to be something that's going to be paramount. Now we've seen um, Mike Houston, by the way, have some success with running quarterbacks. We saw the kind of offense they ran with Lenore Ryan, division two, Hickory, Crib, got to see them go to the D2 championship game when he was there. That was a decade ago. Did you get a t-shirt? I did not, but <laughs> I should. I should get my CBI championship shirt for the Charlotte basketball team and my Lenore Ryan yeah, championship appearance in Division Two a decade ago. But we've seen it at the Citadel, James Madison. It doesn't matter. And now here, where, here's uh, where you are with Mike Houston at ECU. Glenn wrote in on the text line, Walker, my son's a pirate. Garcia has a rocket launcher. He's been chomping at the bit and getting his grades up. All right. Love Mike Houston. Let's go. 
R. That's from Glenn. Uh, Fiddy, if you don't mind this week, anytime there's a hint of R, if you don't mind playing the soundbite from YouTube. R. Perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. I want it every time, by the way. I want this to be annoying by the time people are ready to move on from ECU. Hmm. 508 said Charlotte will beat ECU this year. Hashtag run the dang ball. 980 said it's going to be hard for ECU to gain yards. <laughs> ah, that was good. <laughs> that was good. I love when Wes actually likes it. Yeah, naturally naturally likes it and then has a, a natural laugh. Uh, Niner B, he wrote in, do you guys honestly think if you were broadcasting from Greenville or Boone, Niners would be the first or second team discussed? All caps, pitiful. Biff is a prophet, apparently. Niner B. All right, look, Niner B. All right. The reason we decided to go with this route is because we wanted to make sure that we covered the Charlotte 49ers football team as well as possible. Are you going to want to hear about your football program nine weeks out? On Team Week, are you going to want to hear about it seven weeks out from Team Week? I'm going to go with seven weeks. And if you want to blame the entire show, you can blame me. I'm a Niner alum. I thought that might be a little bit of a better thing to go with. Because next week, we're going to go with App State. And then we're going to go with Charlotte. And then we're going to take care of the Power 5 schools. So, you're going to be mad at Week 7. Oh, why aren't they the team discussed right before? Well, because North Carolina and South Carolina are going to kick us off. This is the order. You have to live with it. Hit me with a pirate sound, Fiddy, one more time. Yar! Thank you. Uh, all right, let's move on. We can still we can still have this extrapolate a little bit more into the next segment. We can discuss more AC football based on people writing in some text messages. We still have some more NBA conversation to get to as well. Who knows? Miscellaneous stuff, baby. It's Wes and Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. The Pirates were the better team today, and they win it 27-22. And your biggest heartbreak. Chris Johnson bounces off a one. He's still up. Johnson to the outside has a chance. Foot race. Goodbye. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. College football is here. I'm going to tell you right now, man, somebody's going to get tackled before this is all <laughs> no. over with. No, I we, can't take that intro, man. One thing, I slacked on this. That's my fault. I was going to have some fade-out music. I need to put that in there really for our own safety so you can have <laughs> your temperature go down just a little bit so we don't get tackled. I mean, right how after. can you listen to that and just sit in your seat like that? You talk about stuff evoking emotion. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. I mean, the the... I couldn't even have sat in a studio and made that. I'd have been in there, tears coming down my face. Like You've seen all sorts of emotion from you today. Maul somebody. Yeah, yeah. Everything you're feeling today is at the 100%. And then the double time. up. Like, remember when Jeremiah Trotter was crying off of the national anthem and they put the camera right in his face? Like, that'd be me. Like, tears in my eyes as I knock you into next week. When I go to most intense <laughs> athletes ever, I yeah, think... Jeremiah Trotter was up there. I think Brian Dawkins is number one oh, for me. Oh, yeah. 
Ooh, yeah, that's a and good. Ray that, Lewis that's is, a good. Ray Lewis. No, but too. he's talking about the intensity. Like, that's a good one. Trotter was nasty. Ray Lewis is up there, but that's a good question for the fans as well. In a lot of different sports, man, that that's that's good. Draymond just, Green, just like a little off, intense. Like, why are you crying right. over one tackle? I'm scared now. Right. That right. that was Brian Daw. I've seen Brian Dawkins in an interview. You know, hell, Steve Smith. Yeah. Steve Smith oh, was yeah, he's in there. on the field. He's in there. I was like, oh, I don't. That's. <laughs> I don't want to get in this realm. I'm going to get hurt. That's, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, Steve Smith is up there. Well, hopefully the East Carolina Pirates can garner some of that intensity because they're going to need it uh, this season. And so when you look at this East Carolina offense, this is team week. We're talking about the Pirates of East Carolina. And today we focus on the offense. We started to uh, give a little bit around this team yesterday and talk about what they've got going on offensively. Mason Garcia looks to be the guy quarterback, but they've had a lot of losses uh, on that offense that was sixth in the American last year and third in yards. And so they're going to need to go and find some guys because Holden Aylers is gone. Keaton Mitchell is gone. Isaiah Winstead and C.J. Johnson are all gone as well, and only one starter returns on the offensive line. But when you look at this team, they may be in better hands than we think. We talked about Mason Garcia yesterday. I said that when you look at him, the athleticism's there, the size certainly, 6'5", 242 pounds. I talked about the throwing motion. Mechanics need a little bit of work, a career 50% passer. He'll get a chance to improve on that. But wanted to touch on a first uh, starting at the quarterback position. They could have a little bit of a quarterback controversy on their hands, Walker Mail, because uh, backup quarterback Alex Flynn was said to have had a fantastic spring and, quote, stole the show in the purple and gold game. He was 19 of 22, 172 yards and a touchdown, but he was not just a spring game wonder. They said he posted similar numbers through the first two scrimmages uh, as well this season. He's a fifth-year quarterback. So, you know, he's a guy that knows a whole heck of a lot. They said he knows the offense uh, in and out and has improved his speed and arm strength over the offseason. So this could turn into a battle and they're going to need it because when you look over the landscape of Conference USA, the teams and I talked about yesterday how they were picked six uh, in the conference by one platform that the teams that they are looking up at, they got a lot of talent at the quarterback position led by quarterback Michael Pratt from Tulane, who is the favorite. He accounted for almost 3,500 total yards and 37 TDR last season, man. He's one of the best in the country. So with this quarterback discussion, you are moving on from one of the better QBs at a school that we talked about actually has a pretty rich QB history. They've had some good signal callers over there in Greenville. Now you're moving on to Mason Garcia, and you talk about having even a quarterback battle right now. Let's just say it's Mason Garcia for okay. the sake of conversation. Yes. If you go to college football, um, their tab on ESPN, David Hale, one of the best college football writers out there, ACC writer usually, but also knows plenty about the game in general. He had ranked every single QB, every single one in college football this year within tiers. Mason Garcia comes in in tier 13, the title of tier 13, and Ooh. it's a long way down, right? The title of tier 13 is, so you're saying there's a chance. There were 13 <laughs> players, and there were nine jobs for those 13 players according to this tier. Now, I didn't have a write-up, and the reason I bring that up, it's because... I just I wonder what the expectations are for him right now. 
And here we are talking about grace yesterday, a little bit of a grace period for Mike Houston as he tries to reload. Does he get the benefit of the doubt? This season will tell us a lot about how we should approach reloads and whether he gets benefits of the doubts, being able to go from one recruiting class to another to another. How much staying power do you have? How much grace does Mason Garcia get or whatever quarterback comes in? Because you are losing your top running back from last year who rushed for over 1,500 yards. And, man, your receivers are gone, too. Yeah. You mentioned having to replace a lot. Like, you're relying on upperclassmen, which is nice, not having to rely on a bunch of high school guys. But your number one option, you're hoping, at least, is going to be your number one option right now. Jalen Johnson, transferred from Georgia, played last year at ECU, had 26 receptions for 340 yards, did have a pretty nice touchdown rate on those receptions. He did catch four scores. But other guys, like Orion King, Another transfer from a Power 5 school. Ryan King comes over from Georgia Tech, but at Georgia Tech, he had five career receptions. No doubt. You don't know what you're going to be getting from him. Four last year for only 38 yards. And so here you are relying on a couple of those guys. This This is what would help, right? If Garcia was taken over at starting QB... And you had a running back that was so successful last year to lean on. You had wide receivers that were successful last year instead of hopefully Johnson could be number one, right? If you had some dudes that were dependable, then it would make this transition easier. But you really don't. And maybe those guys get coached into being the real deal and to the point where they can fill those shoes. But we just have no clue, Wes, which is going to be the theme of the offense this season. Everything is uncertain. And we'll see just how good Mike Houston is at the beginning of some of these guys' careers. Yeah, and I've got a couple other names for you on offense that they may be looking for to catch passes. Kerry King at wide receiver. He was a walk-on turn scholarship receiver. They said he was arguably the most consistent receiver during the spring, maybe outside of Jalen Johnson. They said he made big plays down the field but showed great route running, consistent separation, and he was making catches on almost all the balls thrown in his uh, direction. So they talked about him and also tight end Shane. Calhoun, they said that in the purple and gold game didn't show much, but he was a major factor in other scrimmages. Strong hands is the description on him. Ran better with the ball after the catch and blocked well because we know that's an important part of being a tight end. So they say he looks to be coming into his own in his fourth season. As I said, Walker, this is going to be a conference. Offense is certainly always going to be paramount. But we talked about two lanes, signal calls that they have in Michael Pratt, uh, UTSA. They've got quarterback Frank Harris. He averaged 333 yards a game in 2022. So that's another guy that you're going to have to deal with. SMU has a rising star quarterback in Preston Stone. And even Memphis, when you look at them as well, they've got Seth Hennigan coming back as well. He had 3,571 yards and 22 touchdowns. And FAU's got former Nebraska and Texas signal call on his 15th school, Casey Thompson, (laughs) as well. So all of these schools have formidable quarterbacks that they're going to have to deal with for the East Carolina defense that I told you yesterday ranked at the bottom of the conference in pass defense, and they lost their best corner to transfer. So this offense is definitely going to have to be rolling early to – make them be able to have a chance 
to compete in the American, and they've also got Michigan on the schedule as well, which we probably don't uh, think that's going to be a very good game. Right, and so Colby <laughs> writes in, Wesson Walker, please acknowledge Rajai Davis in this ECU segment. We are going to. He's going to be part of what might be a committee for them coming into next year. He was great. He had five touchdowns in five games before suffering the torn ACL. You have Marlon Gunn, a part of their running back room, and transfer Gerald Green. But if Harris can be that guy to take over, you wonder if he's the star. Do you you feel like he is the one after having five touchdowns in five games before the injury is he the one that can really step up and we can acknowledge him because the offensive line is good I don't know how great they are especially with the transfer they had with Rashad Strother he's moving on I know that was a loss for them but the offensive line it does seem like okay if we are trying to get the most out of guys that need to step up, that didn't have a lot of production last year because they're just stepping into a different role, at least having an offensive line, it looks like you can trust, then that's going to go a long way in my opinion. The other text real quickly is AJ writing in, I mean, Mason Garcia hadn't played where you expect him to be ranked. This is from AJ saying, if you look at his 24-7 recruiting profile, his comparison literally just says Josh Allen. Most recruits aren't compared to some of the pros out there. Mm. Which you know about 24-7 yeah. better than I do. Yeah. But AJ does say his write-up says he's one of the better and most talented QBs to go to a group of five school ever. And yeah. so what do you want to talk about with some of the talent that Garcia might possess? Yeah, he was a, a four-star player. We talked about that yesterday. Uh, and he was labeled one of the best in the country, sure. But uh, from what I saw from the start that he had against Navy, albeit it was uh, a couple of seasons ago, like I said, he looks like a raw prospect that's going to be uh, a really good athlete. He was the 14th best quarterback nationally and the fifth best overall recruit in South Carolina, uh, according to rivals. And real quick, before we go to break two, talking about that backfield, uh, they've got a young back freshman, Javius Bond, that had a 60-yard touchdown in a purple and gold game. And they said that was his only highlight in the spring. Looks <laughs> to be a dynamic running back for the Pirates as well and could turn into a stud. So we're up against it. But when we come back, are the Panthers dark horse NFC contenders? With one Bryce Young, we'll talk about that more. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's time for you to walk the blank. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say... They're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's go ahead and go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline right now. Welcome former East Carolina head football coach Steve Logan here on Weston Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Steve, thanks so much for the time. How are you? I'm doing well. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing well. We really appreciate the time. I want to reminisce on some of your coaching days in Greenville. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a moment. But I did want to focus on this upcoming team, Coach, because you talk about Mike Houston heading into his fifth year. He's done an excellent job the last couple of seasons. But this is truly the first year we'll see him have to reload on talent. Of course, you lose quarterback Ehlers, some of the other skill positions there. Are you giving Houston the benefit of the doubt when you look at this roster and just how hard it is to reload and keep a winning program, even when some of your recruiting classes that hit all at the same time are out the door? Well, I'll tell you that you touched on uh, 
the biggest deal about the whole conversation. It's the quarterback, it's the quarterback, it's the quarterback. And, uh, you know, I used to talk to um, people, you know, during my time at East Carolina. I, I would tell them, you know, if, if you can you can track the success, the dips and the lows and the highs and the lows, you can track all of that simply by pointing to the quarterback. And any time that I was breaking in a new quarterback, uh, let's say Jeff Blake, and trying to get him up and running in our system, we were a five and six football team. And then when they really, really got it and matured, and uh, you know, all of a sudden you're eleven and one. Well, Jeff Blake leaves, and here comes a young man named Mark Crandall. And of course, he broke his leg, you know, his first year. But you know, his second year, we he's seven and four. And then he matures and really begins to get it. And we're eight and three and nine and two or whatever it was. He leaves and here comes a David Gerard. Well, guess what? We're six and five or five and six, something like that. And then it's uh, win eight. And then, you know, his senior year and junior senior year, we win nine. And, you know, it you can track it right there. It is. And the rest of those pieces to the puzzle are somewhat manageable. They really are. Uh, in that, the way that I ran my program, I'm just speaking from, from my, you know, journey. Well, yeah, so go ahead. That's, Sorry. that's, that, that's what you're looking at with coach Houston. And, uh, you know, I've met Mike one time. I don't go back. I've been back to Greenville maybe once, maybe twice, um, in 20 years. So, uh, but I did meet Mike briefly and, uh, but from a distance, and I'm not critiquing. I'm not. I'm not in the media anymore at all. I'm not analyzing games, any of that stuff. But from a distance, he looks like he's got the right idea how to handle East Carolina, which is a guerrilla warfare journey. It's not normal. It's not. You know, you're not a Power Five. You're not. You don't have a brand name. You. You know, it is a true guerrilla warfare endeavor. And he, it, when you look at his resume, every place he's been, you know, it's kind of a bootstrap deal. He starts out two and nine, five, six, and all of a sudden he's seven, four, and eight, and three, whatever. He's done that every place he's been, and, and he's kind of done that again at East Carolina. So if he gets a quarterback up and running pretty quick, they'll be pretty competitive pretty quick. It's kind of, to me, it's that kind of simple. Well, and coach, you talk about guerrilla warfare. That's kind of the that's the language you describe trying to bring up this ECU football program. I, you went into some of the reasons. It, do you think it's a little different compared to the other group of five schools out there? Why do you describe it so much that way? Well, I mean, um, how old are you guys? That's a quick question. Um, Wes is the old man of the group. He's forty. I'm thirty, okay. and then our producer is twenty six. Okay. Well, you guys don't know what transpired you you might be conscious of it but you don't really know what transpired in the 90s uh when i was head coaching at east carolina we had access to good football players in 1998 uh the powers that be came along and created a monster called the bcs the bowl championship series <laughs> which, which basically what that did it told all the recruits uh, here are the teams that are in the BCS. Therefore, they have a chance to win a national championship. Here's all the teams that are not in the BCS. Well, we were not 
in allowed into that group, along with Southern Mississippi and teams that were really, really good back in the day, okay? And so that began to delineate and separate recruiting. It layered the recruiting. And suddenly I didn't have access to the same players that I had had access to from 1989 up until 1998. And so... That's when the the big separation took place, and the Power Five came to be, and East Carolina has never been one of those, you know, programs. So the recruiting, your recruiting pool, you can just imagine what that did to the recruiting. It, you know, it just changed everything, and you don't have access to the same players. So, you know, that that's why, you know, when I say even back then. It was guerrilla warfare from the standpoint of uh, I couldn't do anything normal. I had to really have a uh, an incredible weight, strength, and conditioning program. I had to take players. You know, I, I could give you a hundred examples. I'll give you a name that won't mean anything to you. A young man named Lamont Burns from Winston-Salem High School. I went out. I drove out one night and watched Lamont Burns run down for a kickoff for his high school football team. That's all he did. He ran down for the kickoff. He made a tackle. He went back and sat on the bench for the rest of the game, unless it was a kickoff. And after the game, I just went, I said, what do you, why are you not playing? I, I, I talked to him right on the field. And he said, well, the coach and I have some, you know, he had some story. But Lamont was 6'5", and weighed about 215 pounds. Well, and he could run, really run. So I said, you know, he wasn't playing the game. But I gave him a full scholarship, brought him to East Carolina, put him in the weight room, shut the door, shoved food underneath the door to him for a year. We didn't even let him out. Hmm. And suddenly he weighed 260. Hmm. Okay, now he weighs 260. I brought him out as a redshirt freshman, put him at tight end. He couldn't catch cold if he was naked in the Klondike. Hmm. Well, he can't play tight end. Hmm. Okay, well, what can he play? Well, I don't know. Put him on D. Well... He couldn't really separate off of a block. All right, now he's a redshirt junior. All right, what are you going to do with this guy? Well, we finally put him at offensive guard. And Lamont Burns blocked everybody in front of him for the next two years and played three years for the New York Jets. And so, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You know, UNC wasn't going to take Lamont Burns. Neither was North Carolina State or South Carolina or Clemson or any of the people that we had to play. But I could develop him into somebody that could certainly go beat those guys with, you know, in the right moment. And we did. So that, that's the guerrilla warfare I'm talking about. I mean, we took players. I didn't even care what position they played in high school. I just took them if I thought they were really good athletes and they were really bright young men that had a high motor. And we would bring them into the program, and the high school tight end became – a linebacker and the high school linebacker became a running back. And I had three, three of the very best linebackers I had that I took down to Miami and beat the devil out of Miami with all three of those linebackers <laughs> were six two, two forty. All three of them were the high school fullback for their football team that nobody recruited, but they were absolutely fantastic collegiate linebackers. So, you know, that's the, that's an active description of, guerrilla warfare. That's how you have to do it.
Coach Wes Bryant here. And so I remember one recruiting victory that you did get. And I don't know if you uh, remember me that well, but I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth. And he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit uh, <laughs> back in the day. So I definitely said that uh, I was going to mention that to you and see if you uh, remembered me or remembered us because I know you remembered my quarterback. Yeah, Vance High School, offensive lineman, big <laughs> kid, eventually went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant at Vance High there, Coach? I do remember that. And, of course, and that's what I'm speaking to. When Florida comes along, I'm not going to get that football player. Yeah, Coach, you were right about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? If if Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I think he was not very bright. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, man, that, that was point. cool. They, they asked me about you when we were talking about it, uh, planning the show, and I told them how I remembered meeting you on our recruiting visit up there uh, to East Carolina and coming up there to Greenville. So it is interesting the recruiting battles that you talk about and some of the nuanced things that kids like, and it's a whole different uh, ball game there. And I'm glad that you spoke on just how tough it is to recruit uh, with so much competition. And now you add NIL and uh, all of these things into it. So one recruiting win that East Carolina was able to get was their quarterback, Mason Garcia, the 6'5", 242, and he was a four-star kid, so they were really able to get this guy. We talked about him yesterday, one of the highest-rated recruits to come to a group of five school ever. So what do you think about him and his potential and what he could do for East Carolina? Well, uh, again, I, I he has he's been on the field so very, very, very little that no one knows, and I would venture to say even uh, the coaching staff at East Carolina doesn't know what they're going to get until you go out and, you know, the live bullets are firing. You know, you you played college football. You don't know what's going to happen until, I mean, practice is practice. Games are games, and they're different. But, uh, you know, I don't know that they know what they've got on their hands. Um, hopefully, he'll develop and become what you just described, but we all know that can go a lot of different directions. I mean, I've had, you know, that star system was another guerrilla warfare deal. And I'll, I'll educate you a little bit about the star system, okay? Okay. Let's say uh, you're a three-star quarterback, and you're, you've committed to East Carolina, all right? Well, that's, that's a good deal. Here we go. And out of nowhere, suddenly, uh, after your commitment, the recruiting process goes on, and now here comes Clemson, UNC, and um, Oklahoma. And they offer you. Do you know how the star system works now? Yeah, you're going to get another star based off who's recruiting you because we had a cornerback on our team that was just like that, never had gotten any accolades up until his senior year. And then it's like, oh, they're recruiting you. They offered you. Okay, we will too. And then it builds and builds. So go ahead and continue on. Well, you just you just defined and answered the presentation that I put forth. <laughs> a three-star a, 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 a three means nothing. A four-star means nothing. It, it doesn't speak to the talent level. It speaks to who's recruiting you. Now, you could say, well, if they're recruiting, he must be really good. Well, there's some truth in that, mm -hmm. but it's not always true. And, and again, I would go back, let's say, to Lamont Burns, who was no stars, but you, but, he's, but you can develop it. You can develop, yeah. you know, players. 
And uh, so, again, the star system was kind of a, a deal that, um, I don't know, it, it irritated me, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was fair to the player, but there were a lot of recruiting uh, magazines that made millions of dollars selling that stuff. I know that. Yeah, Coach, so we'll get you out of here with this last question. What, where do you see East Carolina today? We just talked about all of the recruiting uh, kind of things that are in front of them that could hinder them. And now, like I said, you had NIL and all of those things. Where do you see uh, the East Carolina program in the landscape of things today and still having to compete with the Carolinas, the NC States, and Clemsons? Well, I mean, the NIL thing, now this, you know, it used to be a facility arms race, right? You'd go to Florida and you saw, oh my God, they've got a, a, a dressing room and a weight room that's unbelievable and it's way better than East Carolina's, therefore I want to go to Florida. Well, the, all of a sudden the NIL thing is changing because let's say you were coming out of high school right now and let's say I was a coach from East Carolina and I said to you, hey, I'm going to give you $100,000 a year come play for East Carolina and Florida said, we're going to give you $20,000. Well, you'd go, I don't care what the weight room looks like at East Carolina. I'm going to East Carolina. Yeah. So all of a sudden the NIL is going to trump the, uh, the, the facilities, but guess what? The bad news is East Carolina doesn't have a hundred thousand dollars and they're never, you know, they're not going to have, they're not going to, once again, they're not going to be able to compete in the NIL arena I mean, I saw something the other day. If you sign a national letter of intent with the University of Texas, and I'm not talking about starting, playing, becoming a starter. No, you get $50,000 straight up. Well, East Carolina can't do that. I don't know you know, if North Carolina, North Carolina State, they could do it. I don't know if they are doing it. But there's going to be another giant separation infiltrate the recruiting process when People are doing things like that. Ohio State University, I saw where they raised $20 million overnight for NIL. Well, East Carolina, you know, they can't raise $20 million. And there's a whole bunch of programs that cannot do that. So once again, you're going to get another layering effect to the recruiting process that's going to have all kinds of ramifications on the scoreboard. And you're going to end up with about, you know, 18, 20 schools you know, the usual suspects that will be able to withstand all of this. That was former ECU coach Steve Logan teaching us about the game of football. Fantastic young stuff. Bucks here on Body Works Plus <laughs> guest hotline. Coach, we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us and talking about ECU and the state of college Thanks, football. Thanks, Coach. Good to hear from you again. All right. See you guys later. All right. I hope so. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. The Pirates were the better team today, and they win it 27-22. And your biggest heartbreak. Chris Johnson bounces off a one. He's still up. Johnson to the outside has a chance. Foot race. Goodbye. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. 
every Saturday, you tap that sign. College football is here. I can't take but a few many more of those, man. It's it's getting rough, Walker. I mean, <laughs> you're a couple more times of me hearing that away from just getting tackled out of the chair. It feels like it's a big – it feels like, though, we're not running out of the, the locker room, though. Yeah. Like, when we, – we still need to add a little to it. That's okay. We're in the beginning stages of team week. So, we need to put – I think maybe we just need to put some kind of bed there to help us out. But – it feels like we're a little lackluster coming out of the gate. Purple haze. Yeah, purple haze, man. <laughs> we, we need to bring that. Damn we need to bring that to Jimmy the table. We need to bring that to the table, no doubt, and uh, come out a little bit hotter for Team Week. Cameron's a, a Jimi Hendrix purple haze. I mean, I'm going to have to go with the Jimi Hendrix right. song. I mean, like it's just more of a classic. I mean, but they're both legends. Big, big respect to Cameron and, and purple haze. Okay, all right. So, uh, Team Week continues East Carolina, the defense. And this is a side of the ball that's definitely going to need a lot of work as well. We talked about all that they had to replace on offense, but last year this was the sixth best scoring defense in the American Conference, and they were seventh Yar. in yards. But the worst part was that uh, they were 11th in pass defense and ninth in defensive efficiency. So uh, that is not good when you talk about defensively what you're going to need to be able to be successful in a conference, frankly, that has a lot of good quarterbacks that are going to cause uh, East Carolina a lot of problems, or at least uh, they would hope that they won't. But this crew defensively, they're going to need a lot of work and to replace a lot of guys into the secondary. Six starters return on defense. They allowed 6.1 yards per play and also have to replace their standout cornerback from last season, Malik Fleming, that's going on, and he hit the transfer portal. But I think that this defense, there is some hope, and I think it's going to start at the linebacker position and some of the standouts that they had this spring. And I'm going to start – with Jack Bowers, what a great name! Doesn't that sound like a what? What was the pirate's name in Pirates of the Caribbean? Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. So you got Jack Bowers, and so this guy in the spring, starting outside linebacker Jeremy Lewis, missed the spring as he rehabbed from injury. So this allowed him to be able to get a lot of. First team work at outside linebacker. He was a transfer from Nevada. They said he rushed at the edge at an efficient level, pressuring the quarterback. And so they also talked about how, uh, you know, this guy's a pretty good tackler and he was solid in coverage as well. Then you go to Michael Edwards, speedy, quick linebacker, intercepted a lot of passes in practice, got his hands on a lot, so he looks to be a good coverage linebacker, but he's also been much improved versus the run. And then one of my favorite names is linebacker slash safety. So this guy's a bit of a hybrid. Ra-Ra Dealworth. Fitty might know about this guy because he is a North Carolina transfer or maybe. <laughs> oh, no. I predicted him to be a all-ACC player last year. Wow. Oh, do you predict him to be an all-American conference player? I, I hope so, so I can be Ra-Ra on the radio for him. Well, and then we did the whole chant, right? Like, he was born to play at North Carolina. It's unfortunate that he's going to ECU because of rah-rah Carolina Lina. And, and Fiddy, it didn't I'm really work out. shocked that you are cheering for a guy that left your beloved program. But uh, at 6'1 and a half, 200 pounds, they slide him as a Sam linebacker. So you know that he can run. He's got the speed to cover a lot of ground, but they also use him a lot and want to use him 
on blitzes, and they said he showed in several scrimmages that he can cover up horizontal throws quickly and can get to the quarterback. So I think the linebackers are going to be the strength uh, of this defense. But what do you think as you look at this East Carolina defense where maybe some of the strengths and weaknesses are and who uh, may be there to step up for them? Well, I mean, I think the defense, when you talk about their passing defense, that was the problem, as you mentioned. Yeah. And so if their secondary can get better this season, then that's going to go a long way. If you look at the point totals, that teams put up on them last year, mm-hmm. it really wasn't all that bad. They were tied for 72nd, which sounds bad, but there are a lot of college football teams out there. So tied for 72nd and points allowed at 27 points per game. You see them against 13th ranked NC State in opening week, September 3rd. They held them to just 21 points and NC State barely survived week one. So then you allow 21 to Old Dominion. You allow 10 to Campbell. You allow only 23 to Navy, 28 to South Florida. This was not a defense that got destroyed until you get to Memphis when they allowed 40, uh, 45 points. That was the quadruple overtime game that went absolutely nuts. So it's not like they went, they didn't have too many performances, Wes, where it just got uncontrollable, right? Like the offense always gave them a chance to win. The defense held them at least the opposition in a little bit of check. And so now you're trying to figure out, okay, can our passing defense be up to par to the point where maybe we can take some of the stuff that we learned last year, apply it to this season with an improved pass defense. And I think they're going to be okay. But I don't look at that side of the ball and think, whoo, man, they got a ton, a ton of issues. Yeah. And so when you look at that secondary, as you talked about a couple of names to know there, Siobhan Real, 6'2", 190. So that's great size for a corner, uh, extremely physical in the run game. He is described as, and they say he may be a little bit rough around the edges as he gets game experience, but is really talented. And then they also have another safety Devon King and they said he is a hard hitter and has got good speed as well but coverage consistency uh, he needs to improve upon and so those things are going to be paramount Walt because when you look at Conference USA we talked about yesterday uh, you've got Michael Pratt at Tulane who looks to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country Frank Harris from UTSA you talk about Preston Stone at SMU Seth Hennigan at Memphis and then Casey Thompson who while he may not be a marquee guy as far as this is his third school after coming from Nebraska and Texas but this is still a guy that's capable of hurting you if he gets the opportunity and so this is going to be a defense that's going to need to be able to mature in a hurry because offenses in the American are going to be uh, led by some experienced quarterbacks that can play some ball and so I think for East Carolina uh, that's going to be very key for them to be able to get this defense going especially with the quarterback in Mason Garcia uh, or Alex Flynn, no matter who it is, neither one of these guys are that experienced, and the offense looks to be a work in progress as we march toward the season. But Coach Logan talked a lot about this and just East Carolina as a destination in the state of North Carolina. You're talking about competing against Clemson, North Carolina State, North Carolina, Wake Forest, uh, and and you can throw South Carolina in the mix as well because a lot of kids around here, especially when you talk to Charlotte area or kids just in North Carolina in general, they have a lot of options of schools that are very close to them. And so when you look at East Carolina, it is amazing for schools when they're able to win seven to nine or ten games, uh, being that the, the talent pool that they have to choose from 
Coach Logan talked about it as being layered once you start adding in championship elements that desire the teams from the bigger conferences. And now, again, he spoke about with NIL in the mix as well. And you're going up against schools that can raise millions of dollars to be able to pay their players. And East Carolina is just not a program that even when they put all of their efforts together, they're still going to have a tough time as far as being able to lure in top recruits. So what do you think about East Carolina as a destination? And just what do you feel like they sit in the hierarchy of this state as we talk about them this week. Well, that's why I was wondering what Coach Logan was talking about with this being guerrilla warfare. Man, yeah. he painted a really dry picture, like yeah, a bad one, and I don't get that sense when you talk about what they've been able to accomplish even recently, even with some down periods with that football program. It's not unsalvageable by any means. Mike Houston has done a good job building winning programs the last two seasons, at least. Even when you had... The bad stretch of Scott Montgomery being the head coach, at least you had before Ruffin McNeil, who is revered, who is praised, where Pirate fans were really mad at ECU for letting him go. And then you move on to Montgomery, who, of course, didn't do a good job the, the three years that he was the head coach there. It's time for you to walk the plank. That's what they were telling to <laughs> Scott and Montgomery immediately walk the plank. I wonder how many times that joke has been made. But this is something that has been a good group of five school before. So, yeah, that's why it was always kind of weird to uh, to listen to Coach Logan talk about it. Different time, though, man. Like, 2 was Coach Logan's last time at ECU. So, that was when BCS was starting to enter the picture. Sure. And he was telling us all about it. Here we are, more than 20 years removed from that. And still, the history we talked about at the QB spot. Yeah, man, it's still pretty strong with what you've seen from this program. Yeah, and so, we talked about all the things. And it was interesting how he brought it up about it being an arms race back in the day for facilities. How does your weight room look? How does your locker room look? And now, it's changed even beyond that. But even as I sit here today, just checking out their Rogers Family Performance Center, it's a nice facility but it's not north carolina it's not uh you know some of the other schools and definitely not on par with the clemson's and even wake forest with the new facility they've had i mean i've gone and worked out in there and it is very nice it is light years beyond what we worked out in back in the day and, and i think that still matters to a lot of kids especially if you're not the kid that's going to get a big nil bag could y'all ever see a day where ecu is an acc school no because i just feel like that you know, a lot of times expansion is about TV markets, and I just don't know that East Carolina has a lot to offer the ACC in those regards. I've always thought that as far as just logistics, I thought it was a great fit. I love their their crowd and their atmosphere and things of that nature. But when you think about the true definitions of expansion and what these conferences look for, I don't know that East Carolina offers a lot. But it, it, it would all have to be about finances because at least with their competition – this is what, again, I keep going back to this Coach Logan thing, man. But if you go back to what ECU was able to do as a mid-major for so long, the Pirates went bowling 14 times between 1991 and 2014. They won at least nine games six times in that span. And so when you see what they've been able to do with a couple of different steps, having NFL QBs, Jake Blake in the NFL, long career, David Garrard in the NFL, long career, then you have maybe some special quarterbacks just to their program, but Shane Carden was a bad man. We just saw Holden Ehlers really develop and turn into a very good QB. Here we are talking, what, Zay Jones 
as a borderline first-round pick. Chris Johnson, your boy, goes on for Tennessee and rushes and becomes CJ2K. They get talent, and it doesn't matter what coach they have. Well, that's not true, but this is a school that if you have a good or decent enough coach, they can churn out some good records. This is going to be a reset in 2023. We've talked about it a million times, but when we discuss all the offensive prowess, you're hoping that the defense can come along. Good news is, Wes, Mike Houston is kind of that old-school head coach type. Where can you run the football? Can you put out a good defense to just be able to keep you within striking distance? And if they can, that's going to go a long way to help your new quarterback, whoever it is, assuming it's Garcia. And this can be a squad that, hey, maybe three winning seasons in a row. Right. Once you get to three and you have a reset in there, yeah. I think that goes a long way to how good you feel about the program's sustainability going forward. Yeah, I think so as well. And uh, would would you walk a deep? Do, do you see yourself if you were coming out as a recruit today? Would you kind of give ECU the time of day? You think? Would I give them the time of day? Yeah. I mean. I don't know. Depends on who I'm getting recruited by. I mean, I probably would choose Florida if it was down between those two. Yeah. But I think I'd give them the time of day. I, depending on what was promised to me. I Look, I don't know, man. I was never you hit, recruited you hit as a You hit uh, when he said what was, it, what was promised to me. I mean, he's a Carolina guy and we are. We're prominent. So we're, we're better than everybody. <laughs> Be honest, I wouldn't listen to what you said. So when yeah. you cued me, I was yeah, I was in left was, field. Uh, yeah, you definitely were. Well, anyway, well, I didn't. Well, what do you mean by that question? Because you're what? you're acting like you're not giving ECU. No, the time no, 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 no. See, there you go. You try to put it back on me because I said something about you. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, trying to ask a question. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> no, I was just asking the like, question. Yeah, I just sure. find it interesting, like just your perception of of East Carolina. It's just interesting to me. Just all the things that we talked about with Coach Logan, and they're just talking about their desirability, and then you talk about the winning seasons and and what Mike Houston has been able or what he's been able to do because I think it's fantastic uh, that he's got East Carolina back. I like the state of North Carolina when East Carolina is a winning program. So I think it's great. Uh, I've watched several games from them, uh, especially when they have a competitive team. And I've definitely gotten to see them the last couple of seasons when they played North Carolina State uh, as well. So it was just interesting to me. And I just wanted to know uh, your perspective on them. I mean, I think the way that you best uh, appeal to, to recruits and stuff like that is if you grew up in the area and you grew up wanting to play at Carolina and NC State, Maybe maybe not Duke and probably not Wake Forest, but like if, if they don't recruit you, well, you can come here because you play them so often that you're going to get a chance to beat them. And that almost happened last year, week one of the season. They almost beat NC State. Well, at it home. happens, and it's it's not like it's crazy. It happens. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, they scored seventy on on Carolina. Like, like they have a history. They beat Virginia Tech twice when they were a ranked team. So yeah. like there is appeal to go there because they have a track record that say we can't compete with the big dogs that are around us locally, Carolina State, Virginia Tech. Well, and just real quickly to add on to your point, so here they are as, I guess, what has been a tone of little old ECU. There has been that underlying tone with some of this, which is not intended. It's not where I thought the tone was going to go. But Mike Houston is getting a trio of North Carolina defensive transfers. So that actually directly speaks to your point. Yeah. If, you don't play, if you don't play with North Carolina and you're not getting much playing time or it's just not working out for you, where did they go? They stayed in the state. And you got three transfers from the North Carolina football program. So that even speaks directly to your point, Fiddy. And then we'll see if a better coaching staff. Some might think Mike Houston is better just based off what he's accomplished compared to what Mac Brown is on game day. 
then we'll see if those guys can play a little bit better in Greenville. And also, let me say as uh, we close this discussion down, great uniforms. I will say that. I've thought that their uniforms have always been slept on. I think the purple uh, is has always been a dope colorway and the way they've done different things, having the bones going down the pants and different things like that too, man. It, it, their uniforms are among uh, the dopest. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Me. It is Team Week on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ ECU. The debut of Team Week. The feature. We've got the fight song playing for you. We're going to bring it in right here, of course, with going to an alum of ECU. Josh Graham, host of The Drive on WSJS. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Josh Graham Show. I don't know his threads handle, so maybe he has one of those. I'm not sure. I don't know if anybody's contributing anymore. Um, Josh, I I, kind of want to put you on the spot immediately. Do you care to sing a little of the fight song for us? Do you know it well enough to do that? <laughs> I, I think um, if you're an East Carolina student or if you know ECU well, you know that the school has a reputation of getting down quite a bit. Nobody really knows the lyrics except <laughs> the very end where it's like, In loyal and bold for the purple and gold, we are the pirates of ECU. The rest of it's just a blur. Yeah. like being an ECU student for four years. Hey, don't feel bad. I don't know my fight song either. And guess who else doesn't? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No way. Sorry, Charlotte. I'm very sorry. I know we... probably... But hold one second. You probably could do the humming deal where it's like, See, that just sounds like a 50 show tune, Josh. That doesn't sound like a college fight song to me. But maybe that's what they all sound like. I know when to sway and just shut my mouth. That, that It gives the illusion that I know what I'm doing when I really don't. Um, and, and speaking, Josh, just real quickly of not knowing what I was doing, we had Steve Logan on yesterday. He, oh. oh, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. Josh, he was amazing. We also asked only four questions, and the interview was done. Now, mm. amongst those four questions, he he explained to us what the BCS was. It was like an afternoon in the living room with your grandpa. He said, "This is. Do you guys remember the BCS? Yeah, you know what we do." And he also explained to us what the star system in recruiting is, giving us excellent analogies along the way. My question to you, Josh, do you have some interesting former East Carolina football coach Steve Logan stories? And if so, how do you prepare for an interview with that guy? Um, well, our conversations off air are the same as the conversations we've had <laughs> on air. And probably the strangest example was he had a friend that was coaching on ECU staff at one point. And he said, oh, yeah, we're coaching in NFL Europe together. And that reminds me, have you ever been to a dope shop? And I said, (laughs) at this point in my life, I said, no, Steve, have you? Yeah. And I got some advice for you, buddy. I'm like, all right. It's like, never wear a hat into a dope shop. They frown upon people wearing hats. 
in those cups. I'm like, how would you know that, Steve? He's like, well, I was in Amsterdam, <laughs> and I just wanted to see what it was like. NFL Europe, me and this defensive coach, we were into a dope shop, and I wore a hat. And the guy looked at me and said, sir, would you mind removing it? Would you mind moving your hat? He's like, oh, oh okay. I, did, I just didn't know. <laughs> but then it was a dome stadium we were coaching in in Amsterdam, and the entire lower bowl was smoking dope. If, I didn't know what was going on by the second half, man. I'll tell you, it's the most fun I've ever had. That's Steve Logan on a beach telling me a story. And then I didn't think he'd ever tell that story on air. A year later, he told that story verbatim the same way he told me the story, uh, you know, just sitting on his boat. It's perfect. Never wear a hat in a dope shop. All right, got it. Wes, take it away. I just wanted to make sure we wrote that. All down. right, so getting to more serious matters with this East Carolina football team, and we know that they've lost a lot of guys holding Aylers at quarterback to be specific. So Mason Garcia enters one of the best prospects to come into a group of five school for quite some time came in with a lot of fanfare what have you heard about him is he making good on the promise that many feel that he has i think that east carolina is just fortunate that he's still there it was kind of an interesting deal with holton nailers with his relationship um to the university being a greenville guy who turned down nc state to go to ecu and his dad being the public address announcer for the pirates and him doing a lot of great things, but there was always a concern, especially in the NIL era and the one-time transfer era, that if you continued to play Aylers as much as you did, you might lose a guy, which you outlined the way you did uh, nicely there, that was a pretty highly touted recruit. So the fact that he's in place is a big deal, and it's not going to be easy when you start looking at the schedule and you're like, oh, who do we got week one? Are we going to roll out there and play uh, Gardner-Webb or something like that? No, no, you're in Ann Arbor. You're playing Michigan. Uh, it's Jim Harbaugh, and that's a team that's pretty darn good. It's beaten Ohio State the last few years that you, you're going to have to line up against to open up the season. And then after that, it just doesn't get easy. Like you're talking about Marshall. There's a lot of history between the Pirates and Marshall going back to 1970. Everybody knows the movie We Are Marshall. A lot of people might have forgotten that the plane was leaving Greenville, North Carolina, to go back to Marshall back when that happened. And then Appalachian State in Boone after that. So if you're talking about a three-game stretch to try and you know establish who you are as a quarterback and try to get your feet wet, it's hard to imagine this level of more difficult stretch to try and make that happen again. Now, he looks to be a kind of a raw prospect when you look at him from just a technical standpoint, but also they talked about Alex Flan, that's a fifth-year senior type of player, very experienced. They said he stole the show during the Purple and Gold game, 19-22, 172 yards and a touchdown, but they also said through the other scrimmages that were had during the spring, he posted similar numbers. How much of a threat is he going to be to Mason Garcia, and would they be afraid that if Flynn did end up taking the job that the scenario you described may play out that Garcia may end up somewhere else. It's a good problem to have, Wes, to be honest, but the thing that makes if, if we were talking about ECU in the Lincoln-Riley era when he was the offensive coordinator in 14 or 15, that, that would have been the central conversation point of, oh man, you have to have that ample concern of figuring out that you have the right guy to run the position. But this actually reminds me more of the Skip Holtz era of ECU football, where you had like a Rob Cast or you had, you know, Patrick Pinkney rolling in at quarterback, and you could kind of plug and play a little bit more, given the way that this team 
runs its offense now. Uh, last year was the first time, and really the last two years, that this was not a let's spread it out and strictly rely on our passing game, running gun type of offense. Like they have legit, like a legit commitment to the run, and they actually play defense, which is something they never did under Ruffin McNeil and Lincoln Riley too. And it's netted some results that look a lot like the early days of those Ruffin McNeil's days that were among the best that ECU's had since finishing ninth of the country and winning the Peach Bowl in 1991. So there's a lot of reason for optimism. And the fact that it's not just how good is your quarterback strictly relying and directly resulting in how good your team's going to be that year is something that's different to process as an ECU person and something that actually makes me more optimistic about where things are headed. Josh Graham, host of The Drive on WSJS. Follow him on Twitter at Josh Graham Show. All right, Josh, we don't have a ton of time. I did want to roll through four questions I have here. Four, just rapid fire real quickly. Are you down to answer some ECU rapid fire questions? Yes, let's go. All right, let's do it. Um, We were looking at the history of ECU. Really, really good QB history that you have over there in Greenville. We'll start off with this one. Favorite ECU quarterback of all time? My favorite is Shane Carden. Jeff Blake is the best quarterback of all time. Yeah, I, I did not realize he had like oh, a... Wait, oh, wait, no, no, no. David Garrard would kill me if I answered the question that way. Hmm. David Garrard's the answer. And a quick side note, since Julius Peppers was a Hall of Honor inductee this week, I remember DG told me one story where he was uh, he was just playing pickup basketball in Durham, like uh, late 1990s. He's a little bit older than Pep. And he was playing with some guys who were going to be playing basketball in the ACC just a few years later. And they said, hey, we're just inviting this kid to play pickup basketball with us. But he's a freshman, so let's take it easy on him. And it turns out it's Julius Peppers. He's bigger <laughs> than everybody. And he crushes them all, people that he would be competing with in ACC basketball just a few years after that. So, yeah, David Garrard's my favorite because he has stories like that. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. big pool to choose from. I don't blame you for not getting the first one right. There's a lot to choose from. Uh, favorite ECU spot to eat in Greenville? Sup dogs, man. Come on. I mean, well, look, I didn't know if you had something super secret. Devious. Sup dogs. The classic. Oh. Sup dogs. You never been there? No. I've All right. Heard you should it. try it. Uh, most famous person you've ever seen on campus? Oh, there was a huge rumor one time that one of the restaurants, Sandra Bullock, who's an alum, yes. was around. But the answer to the question is Aaron Jones, who a year and a half ago, I was just eating at aforementioned sup dogs. And my friend's like, who's a Packers fan, I think that's Aaron Jones. I'm like, why would Aaron Jones be here? And it's like, is there a connection? No, he's from El Paso, Texas. Why would he be here? And then we walk up to him. He has a big chain that says number 33 on it. I'm like, are you Aaron Jones? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why are you here? My cousin plays for the basketball team. That cousin, Tristan Newton, who then transferred to UConn, just won a national championship with the Huskies. Oh, yeah. I love the little sauce that he puts on at the end of each of these answers. All right. Last one, Josh. Best win you attended in person could be any sport. It has to be the win against North Carolina, 70 to 41. Perfect purple skies. Hmm. I'm down on the sideline. And Pat Dye, uh, the late Pat Dye, who coached Ruffin McNeil at ECU in the 70s, said that this is one of the coolest things he's ever experienced. And he experienced the Iron Bowl and coaching Bo Jackson, the whole deal. And then after hugging the university president at the time, walking off the field, Lincoln Riley looks at me and he says, this is the best win I've ever been a part of. And I think that answer's probably changed over the last 10 years. It's the sound you've waited months to hear.
It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. The Pirates were the better team today, and they win it 27-22. And your biggest heartbreak. Chris Johnson bounces off a one. He's still up. Johnson to the outside has a chance. Foot race. Goodbye. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The Smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. College football is here. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. I decided I wanted to get I a little woo. I see what you did there. You need to watch the woo, man. I know. You, you, told, you literally texted me that two I days. I texted you that the other day. After I put that in the beat, by the way, yeah. you texted me. It's weird. I know me, oh, and, wow. me and Fiddy have been in this way, same wavelength. You and I are not too crazy with the hip-hop stuff, but the fact that you brought up the woo right then and there, yeah, a little weird. Yeah, man. I said you have to watch the show on Hulu, man. It's fantastic. Okay. I'm ready to see. All right, so we are back. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit up the text line 704-570-9610. We are talking East Carolina. It is team week. We are putting a bow on the Pirates. Yar! Okay, so let's go. East Carolina, rapid fire. We've gone over the offense this week. Defense, we've had guests on. And now it is time to finish it all up with some predictions and some rapid fire. So let's go starting off with the most important conference game. For me, gotcha. I didn't yeah. know you were going to toss it to you. I didn't know if you were going to answer that or not. Sorry about that. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go right after you if you want me to start it out. I can start it out as well. Not a problem whatsoever. I will go ahead uh, and start it off here. I know it's kind of easy to just go with the team that you expect to be number one or that is ranked number one in the preseason rankings. But Wes, I do think that Tulane at home is the one that I'm going to roll with. Because ECU to me is a school with Mike Houston as a coach that has shown that they can beat some of these big time opponents. And so, yes, in a reload year, not going to expect them to win in Ann Arbor against Michigan, which I know it's conference, but just kind of setting up the stage. Don't think they're going to win against Michigan. I don't think they're going to beat App State on the road. So what are some other big conference games, big conference or big opponents, I should say, that they're going to beat or have a chance to? I'll go with Tulane. You have three games after that, so maybe you could even give yourself some cushion to try to become bowl eligible with some possible upset at home. Yeah, that's a big one with, it, with, with the way the schedule lines up. In that environment, too. So then you're on the road two games after that home matchup against Tulane. In fact, that will be the only home game that you have within a month's worth of time. Can you pull off the upset? Can you beat the Green Wave on your only home uh, game that you have? That's the one I'm going to roll with with the most important conference content. All right, so I'm going to go with the SMU game Yarr. that they have, the first one out of the <laughs> gate, okay, because you start the season out non-conference galore. You've got Michigan. You've got Marshall. You've got App State. But I'm going to go with your first conference home game. You've got SMU coming in there, and this is one of the teams that's picked to finish in the top three of the league. They are a potent offense. And yes, this may be a struggle for you, but by then Mason Garcia or whomever the quarterback is at that point, but you would hope that it's him, should have enough seasoning under the belt 
They could be sitting with a nice record at that point or a 500 record. So then you get SMU in it. So you talk about that. They've got Charlotte coming up after that. We don't know quite what we'll get from them yet. But if you're able to get an SMU win coming off a Rice battle that I think they should be able to win as well, you get Charlotte, which could be a win for them as well. So it could set them up nicely in the way that you talked about for a bowl appearance. So I'm going to go with SMU right off the rip. First conference home game. That's the one for me. So moving on, their biggest X factor, and it could be offensively or defensively, but who's that person for you for the Pirates to lead the gang on the ship. All right, we can talk about it a little bit more, too, at 2 o'clock when we give you the final predictions on the season and stuff. You might clown me a little bit for taking the easy way out again. I'm going to go with Garcia. I'm going to go with their quarterback. Surprise, now, usually, surprise. Well, I usually don't like going X-Factor <laughs> with the QB. I usually don't. But the thing here is that he's such a wild card. They're so we, Here we are discussing wide range of outcomes for some of these players that come in. Man, he's a big wild card here. Yeah. Like It's not like Drake May is the X-Factor for North Carolina. Okay, like It's going to be their defense. We can go to one of their – maybe a power Eccles. Can he lead the way? Whatever, right? Like it's, We don't have to do that for some of these other schools that have a top-notch QB. But with East Carolina, when you're replacing someone as – productive as a Holton Aylers where here you are with Mike Houston trying to get a new signal caller in place where he could lead the way then yeah I think if Garcia can just hold his own then maybe ECU can do the same thing within their conference and become bowl eligible but because the wide range of um, production that I think he offers I am going to go with the QB even if that is the easy answer okay well I'm going to flip it over and go to the defensive side of the ball this is a unit that was stout against the run, but that was skewed because the pass defense was not where it needed to be. And so, um, you know, in that case, I'm going to go with Taylor Jackson slated to start at middle linebacker because he is the quarterback of the defense. And so this is a crew that's going to need to perhaps uh, be on their A game early. I know they only have six returning starters, but this is a guy that's a junior and he's going to need to have that front seven ready to go, keep defenses behind the chain so that the defensive uh, front seven can have a chance to get after the quarterback and help out a secondary that's replacing a ton of guys. They lost their best player through the transfer portal. And so this uh, this defense with the quarterbacks they're going to have to face in the American Conference, they're going to need to be on point. So I'm going to go with the linebacker of the defense, Taylor Jackson. All right, what's up next? All right, so now the best coach in East Carolina history, we've had Steve Logan on, and we've talked about Ruffin McNeil, but who is your pick for that? I think I'm going to go with Ruffin McNeil, and I know Steve Logan is someone that you considered there too, but if you look at what Ruffin McNeil was able to do, one, I'll say when he was fired, both of these guys exited Greenville in the same fashion by a firing. The fan base was furious. They didn't like it. Like, you you know when somebody is fired, usually the fan base will be receptive to that because they want to win right now. You know how fans are, short yes. for fanaticism, and they want to win immediately. The easy scapegoat is usually the coach. But when Ruffin McNeil was fired, that didn't happen. That was not the case at all. And by the way, there were one game in 2015 of being bowl eligible. 
they were only one game away from that, and that was enough to do them in. And that was just one year after an 8-5 and five season going to the Birmingham Bowl. That was three straight bowl appearances. The one year that he did not go to a bowl game as the head coach of East Carolina after, you know, or I should say before 2015, it was 2011 when they went 5-7. and seven. You've got big-time upsets during that run. I'm going with Ruffin McNeil even if it's a shorter tenure compared to Coach Logan. I do think Ruffin made the most out of his time there. Yeah, he was an excellent coach for them. There's no doubt about it. But I'm going to go with my man, Steve Logan, that recruited me back in the day. But he went to the most bowl games out of any of the coaches that we mentioned. He went to five of those boys. And I felt like that he was really a guy that carried that East Carolina flag like he was a true pirate. I just remember under his tenure, uh, he was a guy that was definitely out there and, and, and bucking against the trend. And as he said, he was engaging in guerrilla warfare. He was out there banging the drum for East Carolina. And, and he really went hard for them. And so, as I said, led them to the most bowl games. Even though he didn't have the most success in those bowl games, he was two for three. But I'm still going to go with Steve Logan as East Carolina's best coach. So that is part one of our Team Week East Carolina segment for today with some rapid-fire questions. We're going to get back to them later, walk the plank, and maybe we'll see if we put walk on the plank. And if he answers right or wrong, then he might just have to go into the drink. What do you think? That sounds good to me. That sounds great. (laughs) Perfect for me. All right. Well, when we come back, it is time to trend. And, folks, I got some juicy topics. The tea is hot on the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's time for you to walk the plank. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. The Pirates were the better team today, and they win it 27-22. And your biggest heartbreak. Chris Johnson bounces off a one. He's still up. Johnson to the outside has a chance. Foot race. Goodbye. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. College football is here. All right, Wes, let's start off with what is a tough month to begin your football season. That it is. ECU, they are going to lead off their season by going to Ann Arbor, playing Michigan on September 2nd, a noon kick. They'll play Marshall at home. Then they go to Boone and play Appalachian State on September 16th before they finish with Gardner-Webb before they uh, really head into, I guess, one more game in September against Rice. But if you just want to focus on those first four games, man, I think you'd be great. I think you, if, if you were offering Mike Houston a 2-2 two and two record to start the season, you take it and run. And Marshall is going to be the one that is kind of a swing game there. What do you make of the first four games of the schedule? That's what I've got there. I've got them going 2-2. Two and two. Of course, Michigan, I mean, you don't want to call it a check game because I'm sure East Carolina's not getting a check to come and play like this. Some also ran. But, uh, you know, this is just food for Michigan to be able to chow on to start the season. But then when you talk about Marshall, uh, Marshall's got some stuff coming back. When you talk about Rasheen Ali, who missed most of 2022 after he ran for 1,400 yards, he's coming back at running back. They've got Cam Fancher at quarterback. They said he's shown a lot of promise as well, but they're going to be looking for some targets at wide receiver. I think East Carolina might have just enough to be able to beat Marshall at home and what should be an exciting game. Those ECU fans should be pumped up about that. Then you go to 
to App State. Uh, last year, they had the lowest win total since moving to the FBS, but five of those six losses came by one score, so they'll be chomping at the bit to get back on track, and so they've got to find a quarterback to replace Chase Rice right now. Looks like Ryan Berger could be the guy, but I'm going to give them two and two. Gardner-Webb, they should be able to get that done, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt against Marshall that they get the job. Done. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go the same way just because that game is at home. If it was in uh, sure. Huntington, West Virginia, Hell. then I think it would be a little different, but because they're at home, because that environment is so highly thought of, I'll go ECU two and two to start their college football season with only one more game left to go in September. But as I mentioned with their tough schedule, just to give an overview of what's to come for the Pirates this season, if you look at what their schedule compares to with the rest of their conference opponents, they have the third hardest schedule behind only UAB and Tulsa. Their odds of bowling right now, according to ESPN Advanced Stats, is only 29%. So that game against Marshall, we were talking about the most important conference games. Hell, you can just go right there, at least with Marshall being a part of their schedule. You go to Marshall, I mean, that's a huge one. If you go one and three, one and three is going to be a bad start for this Pirate squad. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. All right, the next one, let's just kind of break this up into four games apiece. Rice, SMU, Charlotte, and Texas San Antonio. Those will be the next games that they have. They'll have to travel to Rice. They'll have two games at home against SMU and Charlotte, and then they hit the road to play UTSA. What's the next four-game record that you would expect for ECU to finish? Well, they head down to Rice to take on JT Daniels. He might put on a USC helmet when he runs out of the tunnel because he's got so many. He's been to so many schools. He might put on the wrong helmet, but I'm going to give them a win down there in Texas to get it done. Then SMU, we talked about that. Uh, One of the teams in their division or in their conference Casey Thompson at quarterback I'm not fully sure that I trust him but I think SMU will have enough uh, of the requisite talent to be able to get uh, the job done and then Charlotte man listen I'm gonna go full Queen City I don't know what Biff Pogey's gonna roll out there but I'm going with them to give East Carolina the L okay even on the road I like Pogey and that mantra he's coming in with listen defense and running game travels. It's a real thing, folks. And if they run the ball the way Big Biff Pogey wants to run it, they're going to get the job done. And then against UTSA, this is another team in Conference USA. Potent offense, uh, good young quarterback. I think they take the L there as well. So I think they're going to deal with a little bit of adversity. I got them going one and three during this gauntlet. Um, Rice is projected to finish worse in the conference this upcoming season. So I'm going to give them the win against Rice, which will get them back on track if they do lose against App State and Michigan. Uh, I'm sorry, they have Preston Stone as the quarterback at SMU. My bad. I said Casey Tom. No, you're good. Um, We all forgive you. So now we can move (laughs) on and go with their win against Rice on the road. Even if it is on the road, I would expect ECU to win. That would give them a 3-2 and record at that point. Problem is, SMU skipping Charlotte for now, and then UTSA, especially on the road, those are two teams that are expected to battle for the conference championship. So I'm going to have ECU just with so much turnover, right? Like if they had Holt Nailers again, then yeah, we could give them a legitimate chance against these guys. I expect ECU to lose both of those games. And I'm going to expect them to lose against Charlotte. You come on. You thought I was going to pick them. Come on. Let's go. You thought I was going to pick them 
to beat Charlotte? I'm not doing that. Big Pogey. Yeah, Biff Pogey's going to come in and run the damn ball. That's, That's what we're right. going to do against that defense. <laughs> and so I expect the 49ers to win that one. At least I'm saying it here. So only in the next four games, Wes, I think you and I are both kind of on the same page here. Rice was the only victory that we gave them in that first game. So now if you want to do the math, you go 2-2 two and two in your first four. You go 1-3 and three in the next four. Three and six record, not off to a great start. Let's kick it off the uh, the last quarter here. So at the the way that you'll finish the season, Tulane, FAU, Navy, and Tulsa needing three wins to become bowl eligible. Wes, do they get it done in the last four games of the season? Uh, I think they are able to get the job done. And when you look at Tulane, what they've got, listen, that's just going to be an L for them because I think the quarterback plays too strong. Michael Pratt. He is fancied as one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. So I think that's going to be just a little bit too much. And they are the favorites to win the American. But then you've got Florida Atlantic and they've got Casey Thompson. So I'm not too sure about him. I've never been a big fan. This is his third school. So I'm going to give them the advantage over Florida Atlantic. They get the win. Navy, I give them the win. And Tulsa, I give them the win to finish at 6-6. Six and six, And they'll get into some low tier bowl that I will not watch because I don't watch <laughs> bowl games until there are teams from Power 5 football involved. Yeah, so this is kind of the you have to take advantage of some of these 50-50 ball games part of the schedule and luckily for them, if they do lose against some of the tougher competition on what is a tough conference schedule, then they will have some ground to make up and it does provide an opportunity for them to do so. Tulane, I expect an L there as well and Wes, I expect them to finish with five wins on the season. Oh! I just think against FAU on the road, against Navy on the road, and then even if Tulsa at home, man, those are 50-50 ball games compared mm. to where everybody is going to finish. So that loss to Tulane, you'll have to win out to go bowling, and then I expect them to lose one other game. I expect them to go 5-7 and seven on the season, and that'll do it. You have Mike Houston in his third straight bowl. Yeah. I do not. And so with the overall feeling on this team, if we just want to dive a little deeper, what are some things to watch for as we give our final predictions as to what could make? Because it's going to get close, as yeah. you mentioned. It's going to you're you're putting them with their backs all the way up against the wall, having to win out. So, what are some swing factors that we can talk about? Well, here? it's just basic as we talked about. It's going to come down to quarterback play because if they're not able to get it done, you can lay a lot at the feet of Mason Garcia. This is a four-star player. We know Coach Logan talked about how the star system goes, but. A lot of those guys that do get the high stars, a lot of them can play. And I'm expecting Mason Garcia to be a guy that might not be a world beater, but could be good enough to get East Carolina to a bowl game. I know they've got a lot to replace. The defense needs a lot of fixing. But I just feel like the thing that I'm going to watch for is Mason Garcia's development early in the season. Does he look the part of the guy who can lead him? We know he's got the size 6'6", 240. We know he can run, but does he have the requisite accuracy and decision making because in the one start that I watched him play, he struggled as far as just being the kid, scrambling around, throwing it around, but that was a while ago, so hopefully he's grown a lot from then. He's a career 50% passer, so he's going to need to step up and be the guy early for them and late as well, and I think that's going to be the thing to watch for is Mason Garcia capable of living up to the hype? We went with our most important games on the schedule. There's a lot of them considering how tough it is. But the one easily, and I'll say this, maybe not easily, but maybe the more polarizing decision that we made, Wes, we both had ECU dropping their game against Charlotte. Yeah. 
That game is going to be a monster huge, matchup. Huge. At the midway point of the season, with ECU having gotten off to what is presumably not the greatest start because of the competition that you have to face. And if you don't beat Charlotte, you have tough games against San Antonio and Tulane back-to-back. FAU is not an easy trip to make, by the way, going down. And plus, we know about Navy's tradition. Charlotte is a monster game for ECU, especially with them, despite all the turnover, expecting still to finish above Charlotte in the conference. That's going to be a fun game. I'm going to be be tuned in for that one because, like I said, East Carolina has always loved to beat the in-state schools. So that's going to be a good one. All right, we can answer some of these ECU.